Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories. My dear cardio nerds, this is Amit Goyal. Join us on a new adventure as we journey through the maze of clinical practice guidelines. In this series, Decipher the Guidelines, we will take a deep dive into the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines, focusing on similarities and differences from the American guidelines. This is a multidisciplinary collaboration between the CardioNerds, the ACC Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Section, the National Lipid Association, and the Preventive Cardiovascular Nurse Association, developed with a mentorship from Dr. Eugene Yang. Friends, CardioNerds is a fellow-founded independent educational platform. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. Do be a nerd and spread the word on social media and help others find us by reading and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast app. And hey, hope you're enjoying the intro music, custom mixed for Cardi Nerds by student doctor Hirsch Elhens, aka DJ Elhens, medical student at USC and Cardi Nerds Academy intern of House Thomas. All right, it's time to get nerdy. The following question refers to section 4.10 of the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines. The question is asked by student Dr. Christian Faubourg Anderson, answered first by UCSD fellow Dr. Patrick Ascarate, and then by expert faculty Dr. Lawrence Sperling. Dr. Lawrence Sperling is the Katz Professor of Preventative Cardiology at the Emory University School of Medicine and founder of Preventive Cardiology at the Emory Clinic. Dr. Sperling was a member of the writing group for the 2018 Cholesterol Guidelines, serves as co-chair for the ACC's Cardiometabolic and Diabetes Working Group, and is co-chair of the WHF Roadmap for Cardiovascular Prevention in Diabetes. Christian, do you have a question for us today? Yeah, I've been wondering. The European Society of Cardiology Prevention Guidelines currently recommend that low-dose colchicine, half a milligram a day, be considered for the primary prevention of cardiovascular disease. Patrick, do you know if that's true or false? Well, that's an excellent question, Christian, and a bit tricky. The answer here is false, and let me tell you why. While the ESC does actually recommend the consideration of low-dose colchicine as adjunctive therapy, it's mainly for secondary prevention of cardiovascular disease, not primary prevention as stated in the question. Specifically, this is in individuals whose risk factors are otherwise insufficiently controlled. This recommendation is made with a class 2B recommendation and a level of evidence of pain. Currently, there is a broad evidence base supporting the concept that inflammation has pro-atherosclerotic effects and that reducing inflammation may reduce atherogenesis in high-risk patients. Interestingly, colchicine, an anti-inflammatory drug typically used to treat pericarditis or gout, has been evaluated recently for its potential benefits in treating coronary artery disease by inhibiting inflammation. One of the first studies to look into this was the low-dose colchicine trial in 2013, otherwise known as the low-doco trial. Here, researchers found that in patients with stable CAD on aspirin and or clopidogrel and statins, colchicine lowered the primary outcome of ECS, out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, or stroke compared to placebo, with an absolute risk reduction of 10.7%. These results were limited by a relatively small sample size, with an N of 532. There were subsequent studies, though, notably the Cantos trial in 2017. This further supported the role of reducing cardiovascular events by inflammation. And this time, it wasn't with colchicine, it was with canacunumab, a monoclonal antibody inhibitor of interleukin one. Here, in patients with stable CED already on a statin, they found a 15% relative risk reduction in non-fatal MI, non-fatal stroke, and cardiovascular death with canakinumab compared to placebo. 
More recently, the cold code trial in 2018 studied patients with recent MI, and the LODOCO2 trial in 2020 studied patients with stable chronic CAD. Both demonstrated reductions in MI, cardiovascular mortality, CVA, and ischemia-driven revascularization, with colchicine half milligram In the LODOCO2 trial of note, stable CD was defined either angiographically by coronary CT, a coronary artery calcium score greater than 400, or a history of a cabbage more than 10 years prior, with evidence of failed grafts or angioplasty. Considering the evidence I just reviewed, it does appear that high-risk individuals with stable ischemic heart disease may benefit from one daily low-dose colchicine to reduce the risk of myocardial infarction and other cardiovascular events. Therefore, the main takeaway based on the 2021 ESC prevention guidelines is that clinicians may consider initiating low-dose colchicine, half a milligram a day, for secondary prevention of cardiovascular disease, particularly if other risk factors are insufficiently controlled or if recurrent CBD events occur, despite optimal therapy. This brings a couple questions, and to help clarify the recommendations of the ESC, we do have our expert, Dr. Sperling, here. And I did have some specific questions and, in general, wanted to get his impression on these recommendations, notably because the ACC has yet to provide any official recommendations on colchicine. Perhaps we could start with Dr. Sperling's overall impression of this recommendation and go on to more specific questions. Yeah, so first of all, what an honor to join you all on Cardio Nerds. Christian, a really important question, and Patrick, thanks for the background. We have to remember the ESC guidelines that were published in 2021 gave this recommendation a class 2B. So I think mechanistically, this is a sound strategy to address atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease events. We know that all the way dating back to data from Russell Ross and the original descriptions of the pathobiology of atherosclerosis, that atherosclerosis is an inflammatory disease process. The initiation of atherosclerosis, the propagation of it, and then of course, the biology of the acute cardiovascular syndromes. So I think the data is provocative. As you mentioned, right now, there are no official U.S. guideline recommendations to compare to the ESC guidelines. Colchicine, a medication that often is used for other indications now, blocks microtubular polymerization, prevents leukocyte migration, and inhibits the NLRP3 inflammasome. And so it is an anti-inflammatory strategy. Where we have to be cautious in embracing this data is if we look at the individual clinical trials, and then there was also a nice meta-analysis published in JAHA in August of 2021, there's a composite cardiovascular risk reduction, but so far no impact on cardiovascular mortality and all-cause mortality. And so the same mechanisms that may have potential cardiovascular benefit could have potential non-cardiovascular risks. The other comments that I'll make here are, in the European guidelines, the comment is that you should consider colchicine for secondary prevention in individuals whose other risk factors are insufficiently controlled. And to me, as a preventive cardiologist, this isn't quite logical because, first and foremost, we want to optimize guideline-directed preventive strategies, especially in secondary prevention, a very high-risk population. So I would say strive for comprehensive cardiovascular risk reduction, first and foremost, consider an anti-inflammatory strategy. But my take home here is I think a little more data is needed and we have to recognize that there may be some subpopulations that may benefit from this strategy. 
but I'm not sure I would uh, leap in there and say for all, this is a proven therapy at this point in time for secondary cardiovascular disease prevention. So more data is needed. There are other trials going on right now that may help us better understand the benefits versus the risk and side effects. Excellent. Thank you. So in summary, it does sound that while the evidence so far is interesting and exciting as a potential avenue for therapy in patients with coronary artery disease for secondary prevention, seems we may not quite be there yet to lay down a solid recommendation on the ACC end. Yeah, we definitely agree. And then, you know, side effects here. GI side effects are possible. They're not that frequent with this very low dose of colchicine, but you want to be careful about patients who have renal metabolism issues and, of course, drug-drug interactions. So be cautious and careful with adding a new drug. Dr. Sperling, I had one question. You did mention how colchicine could increase some non-cardiovascular risks. And interestingly, in the LODOCO2 trial, there was a trend towards increased non-cardiovascular mortality in the colchicine group without a change in the cardiovascular all-cause mortality. Do you know why this might be? I'm not sure if this had been looked into much in more actual study or if it was just a reported finding. I want to get your thoughts on this. Yeah, thanks. So we certainly have to note that with a question and, of course, raising a flag of concern. In terms of this explicit mechanism, the study wasn't designed to address that. But as I mentioned earlier, it's possible that some of the same beneficial pharmacological mechanisms by which colchicine has a benefit in reducing inflammatory-related cardiovascular events as an immunomodulator and affecting the inflammatory systems and the inflammasome and leukocyte migration may also pose certain other medical risks. Got it. Okay. And just as a general question in terms of medications that the ESC may recommend that the ACC may not have just yet, have you found in practice that cardiologists are still willing to prescribe something like colchicine? I, on my end, have not seen this. I know that the researchers here, this ESC recommendations here, however, amongst my attendings and my co-fellows and the rest of my colleagues, I have yet to see anyone actually prescribe colchicine. I'm relatively new in this field as a third-year cardiology fellow, but is this kind of the pattern that we see with new drugs that until there's an official ACC recommendation, it's probably not going to catch on yet? There are people who might be early adopters, but certainly widespread use of colchicine for this indication in the U.S. I think has not yet been implemented because there's reticence, there's questions, and certainly there's no guideline-based recommendation at this point in time. On a personal level, I have taken definite note of the data. It is quite interesting. I've had conversations with patients about the data, and I've noted you know, some patients who are on long-standing low-dose colchicine for other indications. And I've thought to myself, maybe they are deriving some benefit, but we need some more information. And it'll be interesting to see how the U.S. guidelines, the ACC AHA guidelines approach this data in terms of future recommendations. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for your insights into this. Thank you so much for that great discussion, Patrick and Dr. Sperling. I learned a lot from it. It was awesome to hear. Thanks so much for your time. Boop. Boop.